Good morning. It's Monday, January 15th, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I'm Gideon Resnick in for Shemitah Basu. This is Apple News Today. On today's show, a frigid start to the U.S. presidential campaign, the critical elections in other countries this year, and the fate of the hostages more than 100 days since Hamas attacked Israel. Today marks the official beginning of the 2024 presidential campaign with the Iowa Republican caucuses. And the question, if polls are accurate, might be less about who the victor is and more about the margin. The story of the race so far is just how dominant former President Trump has appeared to be. Another question for tonight is the impact of the brutally cold weather. At times, more than 110 million Americans have been under wind chill warnings and advisories. In Iowa, the National Weather Service warned of, quote, life-threatening wind chills, possibly feeling as cold as 45 below zero. So the bad weather could affect turnout. The latest Des Moines Register poll had Trump in first place with a nearly 30-point lead. Amy Walter, the editor and publisher of the Cook Political Report, told PBS that she'll be watching to see if Trump can get more than half the Iowa vote. For the entire campaign, his rivals have made the case that there is a base of support for Donald Trump, but there's a bigger base of support for people who are willing to look beyond Donald Trump. With 50 percent of the vote, that would sort of close the door on that. If Trump can indeed put up those kinds of numbers, it would be the biggest caucus victory in history. Second to him in that Des Moines Register poll is Nikki Haley, with 20 percent of voters who say that she is their number one choice. Ron DeSantis has 16 percent. Now, he bet heavily on a strong performance in Iowa, visiting every county. Walter says this could be a make-or-break moment for his campaign. Ron DeSantis, he has the most at stake, certainly, because he has the endorsements, and he's really banked his entire campaign on doing well in Iowa. Losing, whether it's by 10 or 20 or 30 points, it's hard to turn that into a win. With the extreme weather, tonight will be about more than just which candidate has the most support in a poll. It's also a question of whose supporters feel bold enough to brave the frigid weather. Now let's take a step back and look at elections happening in 2024 around the world. More than 60 countries, representing 4 billion people, are holding elections. That is more than half of the world's population. Politico's Eric Bazile Emile wrote about what to watch here. A lot of consequential elections will be taking place that will show us how strong democratic institutions are, how good are social media companies at responding to new technological challenges like AI, social media regulations, content moderation, hate speech, you know, it will affect just as well the ideological directions of countries that have deeply significant impacts in their regions. Taiwan voted over the weekend, electing Lai Xingda as president. He is a strong critic of China, where leaders have recently ramped up tensions with Taiwan. There is the menacing threat that China could attack Taiwan. President Xi's remarks uh, in his New Year's speech made it seem that he wanted to at some point force the question of reunification between China and the self-governing island. If Beijing and Taipei square off, that could impact the U.S. and Taiwan's other allies. President Biden has warned that the U.S. would defend Taiwan against a Chinese attack. 
Also this year, India will hold elections. Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi's party is expected to hold on to power there. The opposition accuses him of undermining democratic institutions, and they say his party condones violence against Muslims. India is one of the countries with the largest Muslim populations in the world. So there are deep concerns that a second Modi term or continuation of Modi's government could see some real challenges there with preserving India's multinational, multi-ethnic identity. There's also concerns about targeting journalists, targeting religious leaders, targeting, you know, dissent within the country. For more on those important elections coming up across the world this year, including Pakistan, Russia, and several European countries, you can check out the full story in Politico on the Apple News app. Yesterday marked 100 days since Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th, killing approximately 1,200 people. More than 200 people were taken hostage. Over 100 have been released. Some died in captivity. And Israel says more than 130 people are still being held in Gaza. Itai! Chen! Can you hear us? Family members of those hostages have been gathering near the Gaza border calling out messages to loved ones over loudspeakers. We are here. We are standing so close to you. In recent weeks, some hostages who have been released have been sharing their stories. Like Daniela Aloni, who spoke with Channel 12 News in Israel. She described being beaten by Hamas as they took her, her daughter, and her three-year-old niece into Gaza. I think there are still no words in Hebrew that can describe this horror, that new words need to be invented to describe what happened there that day. I was sure it was a lynching. They just kept giving me blows from behind, the head and the back. Qatar and Egypt continued to play critical roles as diplomatic intermediaries between Israel and Hamas. There have been recent attempts to revive talks around releasing hostages in exchange for a prolonged ceasefire. But Hamas has indicated it will not accept terms that fall short of Israeli troops leaving Gaza. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has pledged to free all of the hostages and to continue attacking Gaza until Hamas has been defeated. But there are growing doubts about whether either of those goals can be achieved. Our last story takes us back to Iowa and a caucus happening in a private home. Maybe you've seen the historical images of this kind of thing. Folks gathering in a homey living room, maybe eating snacks, arguing about the Hawkeyes or Walter Mondale, or both. You might be thinking about a place like Sharon McNutt's house. The Wall Street Journal has the story and pictures of how the 77-year-old mayor of Silver City, population 245, is getting her home ready to host local caucus goers tonight. This kind of living room caucus is mostly a thing of the past. The journal says that she may be one of the last people to host a caucus at home. The rest across the state are in schools, libraries, churches. To get ready for what could be about 50 guests, or I suppose a full 20% of town, McNutt has to take down some Christmas decorations. She's got to haul out as many chairs as she can find, plus a piano bench so people have somewhere to sit. And she needs to bake cookies, maybe chocolate chip and maple pecan. She said she's gearing up for what happened in 2016, the last time there was a competitive Republican race in Iowa. The room got pretty crowded then, and a newspaper even live-streamed from her living room. 
McNutt didn't reveal who she is supporting, but she's relatively diplomatic in her House rules for others. Anyone attending can speak in favor of their candidate, but there are limits. Three minutes, she says, so that people aren't at risk of rambling on all night. After all, there will be some cookies to eat. You can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app. And if you're already listening in the News app right now, stick around. We've got a narrated article coming up next from Time Magazine. It's about Nikki Haley's campaign strategy, how she slowly built support over time to pass other candidates, and how she gained on Trump in the polls. If you're listening in the podcast app, you can follow Apple News Plus Narrated to find that story. And I'll be back with the news tomorrow. Tomorrow.